Welcome to Healing Podcast. We believe researchers should only struggle to solve the problems of scientific inquiry and the rest should be a bunch simpler. I'm Matt. And I'm Christine. And we're your hosts for Helium Podcast. When you're just starting out, or sometimes in the middle of your research career, you can feel like all you have is a collection of ideas or hypotheses. We talked to Dr. Serato about taking those ideas and stepping back to a vision of what you and your research group want to accomplish. Dr. Jose Serato is an associate professor in the Department of Civil Construction and Environmental Engineering at the University of New Mexico. And what I really liked about what he talked about is his commitment to really finding your inner focus and how to know yourself, both what you bring to the table academically, but then also what your personal style is in leadership and culture building. And I I really liked his message of the fact that you want to find as soon as possible the way to be your own full person and bring that to the job. And the sooner you can trust your compass to find out what that means, the better for your career and your life in general. And we were talking about it in the context of being a starting professor, starting up your lab. But I think this can apply to someone at any stage of their life because his vision ties in with all the things he's trying to do and build his research team around, including the culture of the team. And clearly, his vision is the basis for all of his strategic choices as a professor. So a quick reminder before we hear the interview that today's episode is brought to you by MyProfessorWebsite.com, creating standout websites with strong messaging for academics. You should check out the site for a free guide on the top five things a great research group website should definitely include. Let's launch into the interview with Dr. Jose Serrato. Today, we're welcoming Dr. Jose Serrato to the Helium Podcast. Welcome, Jose. Hello, Matt and Christine. Thank you for having me. We're so glad to have you. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Now, you know, usually what we do for the guests when they first come on is we just ask them to tell us a little bit about their background and how they came to be where they are today. So if you could indulge us and and, uh, toot your own horn a little bit, Jose, that would be great. Sure. So my name is Jose Serrato. I am originally from Honduras and I came to the U.S. uh, in 2003. Actually, I was 24 years old when I came to the U.S. I started my master's and PhD at Virginia Tech in environmental engineering. And um, one thing that I want to highlight is that the, I, I have not had a clear purpose on life, let's say. I'm more of an accident type of person <laughs> rather than I, I have wanted to be a professor since I was a little kid type of guy, you know. So I, I think this has been a, an evolution for me. And what I want to share, especially with uh, environmental science and engineering people, is that our, our field has so many opportunities to merge a lot of our natural interests. So in fact, my first uh, job was with rural native Honduran communities working on water and sanitation. And that's when I discovered that I wanted to do environmental engineering, but I wasn't prepared with chemistry or biology (laughs) when I came to the States. And that was a learning curve. But then an interesting thing is that I moved on to a postdoc at Washington University in St. Louis. And there I actually worked with uh, uranium biogeochemistry for remediation. So then you can say, well, what the heck does working with rural communities and then going to Virginia Tech to get a, a, you know, a master's and PhD in environmental engineering has to do with uranium. 
And and I guess life has that mystery of uh, making everything align. I don't know how or why. I think it has a lot to do with our own energy and, and what we really want to accomplish. So at the end, I got this job at the University of New Mexico, where, believe it or not, I work with Native American communities trying to help on understanding any risk posed to uh, uranium mining legacy, which kind of puts everything together, you know, so that's that's my story. Wow, that is such a really interesting way to look at it. And I have thought often about how when you look backwards, it all makes sense. But when you look forwards, all you see is the million different possibilities. And so since you've just earned tenure, which congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> while it's fresh on your mind about how the differences of, of, you know, when you have this retrospective ability to see how it was all adding up to something that made sense and kind of converged all the things you care about. If you could reflect back on what it felt like at the beginning when there are so many different competing places to put your attention and to say yes to, and people who would love to take your energy and your new excitement for the job. What would you say to people who are in that position about what things you'd recommend running toward in terms of what to say yes to? And on the other side, what are things that you would say run away from? Say no to those. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's such an excellent question. So I guess the first thing that I would recommend that everybody does, uh, especially when, if you're a postdoc, which, which I have actually have uh, mentored at least four postdocs in my group here and, and many other friends that I, I share and, and try to help them not only through the job search, but then as you say, once you get started in this position, what do you do? But the first thing that you have to do, in my opinion, is try to find yourself. Try to spend time on yourself. Spend time on having a strategy on why you are in your job and, and what is it that you want to accomplish. I think that will give you a lot of clarity, uh, even before you start saying yes and no to things, you know, because what, what I want to say is that you do want to be in some way self, selfish then to what you're going to say yes to. In, in other words, you want to say yes to the things that are going to help you get to where your strategy is taking you, where, where you have already uh, identified that you want to go. And those are the things that you want to say yes. And those, as you know, are different for research universities and teaching universities. And that's another distinction that I'm sure that we're going to discuss. Uh, in my case, I'm in a research university, so I am without any doubt in the Polish and Perish and bring money world. I personally think that there's no way you can sell a strong idea if you're not convinced about it. And uh, so then, therefore, you have to spend that time on, on trying to develop your own strategy. And, and I think that becoming your own is, is the biggest challenge that you will have as an assistant professor because uh, we, of course, have influence from our mentors, from our PhDs, from our postdocs, if you did one. But uh, at the end of the day, you will be able to get the trust of the funding agencies and the trust of your students and the trust of your colleagues if you are able to develop your own uh, niche. You, and, and one of my friends uh, that I want to cite here, you know, very good friend of mine, Manish Kumar, who is a professor in uh, Penn State, uh, he, he told me something very revealing when I was a postdoc. He told me, Jose, when you are in this business, you have to learn how to find your own real estate. 
So being in another people's property is not good here. And, and it really resonated to me. And I think that that's the quest that I would invite everybody to look for. You know, it's what, what is it that makes you distinct and different uh, from, a, from an intellectual perspective, uh, from a research perspective, so that then that is going to be the flag that you are going to develop, the brand that you're going to develop and that you are going to be selling to different uh, funding agencies, so I think that then you say yes and no to the things that align to that mission, to your brand. If your brand has a, has a identified that you are going to apply to, you know, NSF, the DOE and all this, on that, then that is important, okay? Uh, if then you find all these other sidetrack things that could be interesting but are not really well aligned to your mission, I would say stay away from those politely. Then watching for your own time is always that challenge because we are so busy with so many things. That, as you said, uh, Christine, we're overwhelmed always. Uh, but I think that having that strategy would be my, my best advice for anybody. So, Jose, it's interesting you use the word brand because yes. Christine and I, Christine and I, have actually had discussions about this because there's this whole concept of business sort of overlapping with performing as an academic, right? You're really running a small business in a way. Um, so have you run into a lot of people that that think in that way in terms of their personal brand? Or is that something that, that you get pushback on when you talk to people about? No, no. In fact, it's the other way around. Uh, uh, when I went to job interviews, I'm, I'm not going to say names, but I am going to cite a, a good colleague of mine. And I like citing my colleagues just because that is a way of recognizing how thankful I am to them uh, with the mentoring that they have given me. But I'm going to cite a, a colleague, which is Patricia Maurice, who is now a professor emeritus from the uh, University of Notre Dame. But Patricia is the first person that, as a mentor, she told me, Jose, you need to develop your own brand. And, and that's the first time I heard that word. Uh, you know, and so I was looking for jobs at the day. And, and it really resonated with me, and um, that's what ins inspired me, let's say, to refine a concept that I had already developed, which is the, how, the name of my research group, the EH2O research group, I call it. People ask me, okay, what is E, Jose? Well, it's environment, it's energy, it's environmental health, if you want to, because I work in all of those fields. So I, I've come with a brand that is let's say, broad enough that it, that encompasses a lot of my missions, but that specifically identifies me as an environmental engineer and, and scientist, you know, contributing to different fields of, of my interest. So, uh, and, and then by acquiring that brand, that, that brand, I have also seen how my students uh, in my group, my postdocs, have been able to identify with that brand. So it sounds better to say we are part of the EH2O research group that you are the Cerrado Minions, you know, and that has really worked well for me, uh, building this uh, team rapport, which is another very important uh, thing for my success. I have uh, seen, you know, that having, having a real good group synergy is important. So then the branding doesn't only help you sell the ideas, but it also helps the connection of your group. You create a group identity. So it has a, a double mission. And then the other person who very quickly told me this concept again of being a, a, a small uh, business, as you're calling it, Matt, is uh, my dean. <laughs> so when I came to the University of New Mexico, is because it is a research university, it was very clear. And, and my dean told us from the first day, okay, you have to imagine that this is a consortium called the School of Engineering. 
And in the School of Engineering, we have different departments, which are sub-consortiums. And in that sub-consortia, then you guys are small businesses. Each professor has a group that is a small business. And that's a business model, I think, that is very common nowadays in academia and that also enables us then to merge together in centers, in uh, which are now, I want to say, pretty much the major source of funding. <laughs> if you look at uh, what the, the Department of Energy, National Science Foundation, the National yeah. Institute of Health, all of them are funding majorly centers because there's now this model of bringing together different people to solve complex problems, let's say. So So then it is important that you look at it as, as this functional business that you have to create. And then I'm going to cite another of my mentors, uh, probably... My main reason why I'm here, uh, who is uh, Mike Hoshella, you know, who is my, my mentor from, from uh, Virginia Tech. I have to say, you know, as a person from Honduras, my confidence wasn't very high on being a scientist because science simply doesn't exist in Honduras. I really didn't see myself being a professor. I was just not confident. And the person who built that confidence on me was uh, Mike Hoshella. And Mike told me something one day and he said, Jose... Now that you got the job, the, the ship will uh, swim, <laughs> keep flowing, or will sink, given to your decisions as a leader. And he's right about that. So so all of these things you have to know when you get to this uh, enterprise, you know, that, that you are running yeah. a small business and that yeah. you're responsible. But, but the contradiction is that there's a big humanitarian and educational component <laughs> On this business. So you cannot run it uh, clear and dry with every cent, you know, because you have students that are people that you have to educate. And uh, that is another dimension that makes it very different. So although I understand the branding and the um, uh, financial business model that people have tried to post, let's say, in some ways in academia, just because that's how it's working nowadays, I, I think that we shouldn't forget that we do have a big responsibility uh, from a human side. To, to educate and, and, and help mentor um, students at different levels. So how you, how you bring those two things together is always the challenge. And I, I always try to have that, the human um, component at the top. Well, That's my style. What I'm excited about hearing is this theme throughout your advice, which is that you need to develop a very strong internal compass and that that's going to drive not only your ability to make a value proposition for why people would want to collaborate with you. So, you know, as you say, research is going much more toward centers of uh, teams of people who each bring something to the table to solve a complex problem. So you need to be able to very clearly articulate what it is that you add to that solution. But then it also solves some of the other problems that are involved with starting up a research group, which is to get people on board, pointed in the right direction, and build them as individual scholars too. So I guess my follow-up question, because I'm so completely on board with this idea of going inward and seeing what is it that makes your talents align and that what you specifically bring to the table and all this, how do you have advice for people as they try to find that niche brand for themselves. So I know that when somebody's new, maybe they think that they have a direction and then perhaps they go to a conference and they hear, mm-hmm. oh, somebody's already on that. Or they see a new paper and they say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm 
I'm scooped or that sort of thing. I mean, do you, do you have practical advice for people in deciding what it is that you're going to take on? I love the naming advice. The power of naming things is I think incredibly important to have an anchor that people can cling to. Mm -hmm. But um, do you have other things for people who might be wanting to follow in this, but are not quite sure how they tell what their niche is? Yeah, I think that my, again, you know, it, it comes kind of back to what I said at the beginning, but you need to develop a strategy, a vision. And then a vision is not one idea, you know, and that, I think that's where, you know, when you're a PhD student, you're trying to develop a dissertation that is composed of, of at least three specific ideas that are going to get to this body of knowledge that you're trying to contribute. But I think that when you become a PI, you have to develop a bigger vision. So I want to say you have to think of a big idea. And, and then if you have a big idea, I think that a big idea is always composed of several smaller ideas. And in that way, you will never feel scooped <laughs> because you will have a, a, a bigger um, purpose, let's say, than rather just this, I'm going to try this one technology. And I think that that's where I see uh, the scooping or I'm going to look at these specific chemicals reacting. Oh, my God, somebody's looking at them, so I'm scooped. I think that if you think more from a bigger perspective, have a have a force yourself to do something that that is pretty much required by NSF if you apply for a career grant, and I think it's very important. And I had the fortune of doing it even before applying to my career grant because in some of my interviews I was forced to come up with a, a vision of what what is the vision of your group in the next five years, okay, for your tenure track. So in addition to that brand, to that name that you can cling on, below that name, so imagine as if you were, uh, you know, kind of um, writing a one, a one or two page uh, vision statement for a center or for a business, okay? So you have to have, this is the vision, this is what the group is going to do in the next five years, and then you are going to try to develop at least Three strategic areas. Let's call them strategic areas and let's not call them necessarily projects. And that will be able, that will enable you to have versatility. That will enable you to, how can I say, connect your brand, your name with the vision and then with strategic uh, areas that you will be able to address that then eventually will become proposals or, or will become areas of research in your a group that will be composed by, you know, three different grants. I mean, who knows eventually when you when you start growing, but there's no way you're going to get. Uh, so it's, in my opinion, what has worked for me is big picture thinking. Let's put it that way. I, if I think specifically, then the problem is that you get uh, lost in the trees as a day and, and, and then you lose perspective of the forest. So I think you have to think on, on you know, on, about your group about the job that you're going to get as a five-year to the very least uh, project where you're going to put your best effort, your best energy, recruit the best people, and hopefully negotiate the best startup to have the best uh, resources that you can have to accomplish that uh, vision. But writing that vision then is something that, in my opinion, and I, I um, actually advise all of my postdocs and students who apply to academic jobs to develop that vision starting today. You know, this is June, the job market doesn't open until August, September, but you should start today or even yesterday. And and that yeah. is going to be a document that will change a lot. 
Um, and, and, and that's something good, like any scientific proposal or project. You know, you always iterate, you change, you improve. And I think if you do that, you will find yourself with a direction, which is always the, the challenge. You know, how, what, am, what am I going to do? And unfortunately, the bad news that I have for you, if you are used to having the, somebody else tell you what to do, that that's not what an academic job is about. So when you're a, a professor, it's all on you. You have to make those decisions. And, and therefore, that's why it's so important to have that vision very clearly from the get-go so that then you can guide others. Yeah, I think you've just articulated a lot of really great ways that people can learn to practice trusting themselves on that. Well, the challenge is, Christine and Matt, we didn't, we didn't get training in our PhDs for that, right? Absolutely not. Definitely not. <laughs> it was not uh, the way of thinking uh, during the PhD. But, you know, you're focused on getting your technical skills down and other things like that. And so it's hard to think that it's... So there's this concept from business, which is there from small business, which is there's two different modes that you have to be in because you have to wear a bunch of different hats. And, and this is, I think this translates perfectly. There's this concept of working on your business and working in your business. And so what you're talking about is trying to balance this working on your research group and working in your research group, because you can work in your research group, writing papers getting things done, taking data at first, of course, because you're, you don't have enough bodies to get everything done that you need to get done. But if you don't do that working on part, then you're, you don't know where you're going. Right. That's exactly right. You articulated exactly what I, what I yes. I couldn't agree more so, with what and, you said. And, and, and I actually wanted to dig back into something that you had said earlier is that how this idea of the vision helps you with managing people. Because I mean, obviously that's a very important component because you're, when you're starting out your first few students and postdocs, that really determines your trajectory in terms of the number of papers coming out and establishing, I guess, your territory, if you will, to use kind of what you had talked about. So how does this vision play into building your, your group culture and other things like that, Jose? Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. So uh, it, it, I think it plays a lot because you get to decide, and I've had this conversation so many times, I think that there is a, a big part of the colleagues that have this vision of the, I mean, I'm just going to give this example, that my, the, the Hotsi group or the Cerrado group, okay? Uh, and, and that, I think, makes sense. I, I can understand because uh, there is also a requirement, let's say, in the academic world that you create a name for yourself. So I understand that part, but, but I guess that the one thing that I challenge on this model is that then it sounds like, okay, it's you at the top and everybody below, let's say, uh, or at least that's kind of the perception that I see from, from uh, many people. And you have to decide what your personality is. Again, you, it, this is, I'm not criticizing that model. I think it's a great model for people that, that operate that way. Then you have to know who you are. What's your personality as a leader? Are you uh, a leader that likes to give the orders that others follow and you organize everything? Or are you more of a delegator, more of a coordinator, let's say, which I feel I am. Uh, and, and then in my model, I, I felt that that brand was important for me to not put the Serato name, rather have a name that is the H2O group, because then that enables me to say we are part of the group. 
all of us, and I am guiding you guys, but I am not your boss. And I tell all of my all of my students that you know that it doesn't work that way in this uh, in this group. You know what we do is we assign leadership to each student so that uh, every project that uh, or to each student or postdoc or whoever is working on a project they become the leader. So then that empowers them. And I think that uh, the vision that I had at the beginning, again, going back to having a brand, having your vision statement, having your three strategic areas, immediately allowed me to hire a postdoc and two PhD students, for example. And, and I knew exactly what they were going to be doing because I already had this vision. So, so I didn't really have to improvise a lot on that. It's not that that is written in stone. As, as I told you before, we're going to iterate. We're going to make changes as a function of what opportunities come and what failures come as well. But, but having that vision really helps my group dynamic, or at least has helped me, even, even from a specific standpoint of how the business is going to work. So, so I think my group, my group works a lot like that. Uh, I'm just sharing very honestly how, how I run my business here. And, uh, and, and then that, that is, uh, analogous, I want to say. And I tell people, you know, we, we have, uh, uh, this great affinity, the things that we do outside of academia. I hope. <laughs> I hope you have something you do outside. That's very important to clear your mind. So my thing is music. Yeah. I'm a musician. <laughs> and, and as a musician, then uh, I have always seen, okay, am I a solo artist or am I a group member? And I've always seen I'm a group member. I, I like having a band. So I see this as a band, let's say, where, where everybody contributes mm-hmm. something. A little bit like the Beatles, you know, I don't know. That's kind of what I would like to see. Yeah, <laughs> just so, a little bit. <laughs> right, right. So, so, uh, and and then you know there are gonna be people that write the songs. That's what I do here. But there, there are other people that have to play well. And I don't know. You will find a way that everybody contributes. But that is the model based on my personality that I have been able to develop, and it works for me thanks to first developing this vision. So again, going back to what I said at the beginning, try to develop that strategic vision early on. Uh, what I love about that is that it's. Uh kind of a beautiful part of what can be academic world is that your whole person can be invested in this effort. So kind of what you're saying about being an ensemble musician and translating that into how you make creativity happen in the form of good research. I'm curious about, you know, the culture aspect of what you're talking about in your group. And I wonder if you could just talk about the non-science part of cultivating that. I mean, socially, do you find that it's useful? Do you have parties for your group? Do you help build personal relationships? Because I find that, you know, if you look at somebody's career over decades, a lot of times it's their individual dedication, but it's also these science friendships that really propel new ideas and lasting symbiotic partnerships. Um, Can you speak to how you make that happen in your group and in your collaborations? Yes, yes. So let me start with my group, just because my students, I I think, are an essential part of my life. And you just said it, you know, this this profession is, is very strange because you do vest yourself even personally. And that's why it's so hard to get a paper rejected <laughs> and, and a proposal yeah. rejected because you put <laughs> so much into them. You know, you put all of your energy and everybody's energy and, and you're vested on it. So in my group, what I think has worked, again, I go back. You have a vision that is based on your personality. And, and, and listen to this. This is very important. So you have to know who you are. 
Um, I'm going to tell you uh, that I am a social person. You probably know already because of how much I talk. Uh, but other other people are, you know, give you a, a, a one, um, let's say a one sentence answer that is so wise and so synthesized that, wow, I, I'm not that way, unfortunately. Uh, but some people are that way. Good for them. So then do what works for you. And I, I'll tell you that I have two friends here as we, we run groups together. I am very social. He's not as social, but he's also very successful. And I think that um, you have to you have to be authentic is what I want to use. Don't throw parties just because everybody else throw parties, so then you feel obligated. Because the the other thing that I have seen is students commenting on, yeah, this is so awkward, isn't it? That somebody's throwing a party, but they don't really feel <laughs> to throw the party. Uh, so, and, and then uh, be careful with that. You know, I want to say you want to be yourself. Again, that's so important that your students and that everybody who works with you feels that you are being yourself. And, and I think that is the key to everything. Uh, and as long as you're authentic, I think people will appreciate it. In my case, because I am from uh, Honduras, uh, we, I, I love grilling. Uh, so I have a very natural tendency of just uh, whenever people uh, defend or whenever people, when there's any, a, a special event in my group, we we go and grill at my house, you know, and I thankfully have a nice house where I can accommodate, uh, you know, people from my group and other colleagues. So I do that a lot. And I think that that has helped, but that is just because it works with my personality. Again, you know, it's not something that I force to do. It's just that that's who I am. I think another very important thing that you should encourage, even if you're not social, but try to encourage a good group dynamic. That that, that everybody in the group, instead of being competitive with their, with their with their own peers in the group, that they all collaborate and help each other. I have seen many models of those, and my model is we all help each other, and therefore, if somebody helps on a, let's say, substantial contribution, they would be included as co-authors. So what, what that does is it motivates the students, even if that's not their main project, to help others. Uh, you have a more inclusive, empowered uh, culture of group, and then everybody wins at the end because uh, the currency for getting jobs is having papers, isn't it? So I think that that is a, another important thing from an operational standpoint to do is just create a culture of collaboration, of sharing, of supporting each other. I, I think that's important. How you do it, if it's with monthly meetings or weekly meetings or whatever you decide, that that's up to you. Uh, but I think that's very important to create. And with my colleagues, the only thing I'm going to say is that the best ideas or the best businesses that I've ever been able to close are after 2 a.m. in the morning in conferences. So that <laughs> means that the whole day is lost pretty much. <laughs> you have to stay up for those late night beers and really share with people. And I, I, I'm not even exaggerating on that, you know, just because that's where you get really intimate time with people and sharing ideas. Yeah, I don't know anything about that, Jose. <laughs> you don't, don't know, know anything, anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, that may have been how we met. I'm not sure, but it's very hazy now. It's, those are good times. Christine, you want to say something? I think that your message to just be wildly authentic and wildly generous intellectually are perfect advice. Just this going inside to find your... Who, what are you about? Why are you doing any of this? It's a lot of life energy to throw your whole life behind something. So I just think that this is fantastic advice. Thank you so much for all of this time. And uh, again, demonstrating authenticity and intellectual generosity here. Thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah. Thank you, Jose. Is there any, uh, any parting advice? And I, I think people can probably Google you and find you at the University of New Mexico. Yeah, absolutely. Please feel free to contact me uh, at any time. I am always very open to, to help, uh, especially if you see me in conferences, uh, please reach out. Uh, but if you reach me via email too, it's just that you will see those of you who are assistant professors already know that we're drilled with email. So if I don't respond, I am sorry. But uh, I think that I will definitely try to be responsive, you know, and that's another thing that I want to share at the end, you know, that balance between administrative and the things that get you uh, specific productivity, namely papers and uh, graduating students and proposals funded. That, that is always going to be the, the hardest balance, you know, just how to, how to be able to do, let's say, what is needed from each to get good enough at what you need to do. That is always a challenge. And, and you have to strive for that. You know, I think that's very important. So the time management, we haven't talked about that much, but I, that is another big piece of advice that I have. You know, maybe in the future, we'll, we'll, we'll invite you back on for a time management discussion because that's definitely something we want to talk about as part of this podcast. Yes, that's another conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And keep up doing the great work with uh, with this Helium Group. It's really amazing what you guys are doing. And I just really hope that you continue growing and um, having fun with it. Thank you, Jose. That's very kind. Thanks for joining us in Episode 2 of Helium Podcast. Please join us in Episode 3, where Katie Peplin, graduate student coach, joins us to share advice for all the mentors and aspiring mentors out there. The page for the show notes on this episode is www.teamhelium.co slash episode two. Helium Podcast is brought to you by myprofessorwebsite.com. One way to elevate your research is great communication, which requires strong messaging about the value you bring. My Professor Website helps academics grow their influence and impact by creating top-tier websites that attract excellent students, collaborators, and funding opportunities. If you want to help spread the word about our podcast, please go to www.teamhelium.co slash review it. All one word, review it. There you will find instructions on how to review our podcast. It's the best way for others to find us, except for a personal referral, of course. Our music is written by Michael Blake of Portland, Oregon. You can find him on SoundCloud or at www.mblakemusic.com. Helium Podcast is produced and edited by us, Matt Hotze and Christine Ogilvie-Hendren.